After a record-setting 35-day partial shutdown, the clock is ticking once again on Capitol Hill. Negotiations fell apart over the weekend, and now leaders from the House and Senate are scrambling to salvage a deal. Why the debate over the number and purpose of immigration detention beds are now the center of this debate. This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today from Washington is Bloomberg National Political Reporter Sahil Kapoor. Thanks for joining us again, Sahil. Happy to. So going into the weekend, uh, how were the talks going between House and Senate leaders when it comes to the, the funding that expires on Friday? They looked pretty good. I spoke to Richard Shelby, who is the top Republican appropriator in the Senate, the chairman of the committee, and he sounded very confident that they were going to reach a deal. But then we all woke up this morning, and actually Bloomberg was ahead of it Sunday afternoon, by saying the deal was not looking good at all anymore. So what happened? That's right. So somewhere along the weekend, talks broke down after Democrats demanded a cap on detention beds related to interior enforcement, basically ICE um, rounding up people in this country illegally who are already living here. Uh, Democrats want to put a limit on the number of detention beds and, as, as a result of that, require ICE to focus its resources on violent criminals. And essentially, that means going easy on, on people who are living in the country and not committing crimes. So the theory is then that if they can only if there's only so many beds they can only arrest so many people which means they have to be more picky with whom they choose and so instead of families uh, maybe they're arresting true criminals that's right and so is this an issue that pops up from time to time in these budget discussions or is this a new one it absolutely does pop up, but usually in the context of immigration reform efforts. So it really dates back to 2011 when the Obama administration took a look and said, we only have the resources to deport about 400,000 people a year out of 11 million people already living here. And that led to prioritizing um, targeting violent criminals and uh, deprioritizing other people. And that has been met with strong criticism, with fierce pushback every step of the way from immigration hardliners who argue that any kind of prioritization of certain people over other people amounts to a green light for people to either sneak in this country or overstay their visas and stick around as long as they don't commit crimes. And that's a, you know, that, that's a red line that uh, immigration hardliners will not accept. So you're on Capitol Hill right now. You're waiting for some type of development, some news to come from these House and Senate leaders uh, discussing what's going on. So what, what is the latest? Well, the latest is that the top four appropriators are meeting on Monday afternoon when the Senate and House return to try to find a way out of this impasse. And what has the president or the White House had to say about this current impasse? The president has been tweeting today and essentially arguing that Democrats want to go easy on violent people in the country illegally. In other words, he's saying that by limiting the amount of detention beds that ICE has, that it's going to hamper the government's ability to go after violent people. Now, Democrats say the exact opposite is true, that they want the government to focus on violent people in the country illegally and uh, therefore use their resources in a way that doesn't waste those beds on people who aren't committing crimes, who have jobs com and are contributing to their communities and that sort of thing. Now, the president heads to uh, El Paso, Texas this evening for a Make America Great rally uh, along the border. This is going to be brought up. I mean, is this going to be like a campaign style rally where he's he wants the people watching to understand how this is a this is an issue important to him? It is certainly a wild card, this presidential rally, because we know how the president gets when he's surrounded by a bunch of people. He um, tries to hit these notes and, and appeal to um, the restrictionist, anti-immigration instincts of people at these rallies, and he has, a, he has a knack for it. So 
you know, it remains to be seen what specifically he will say, but we know he likes the context. Uh, we know he likes the context of a rally. We know he likes the issue of immigration. So he may draw some lines that uh, government funding negotiators will have to consider. Now, we know um, this bed issue is what's separating them now, but let's take a look back at the, the, the funds the president wants to build his wall, because that's, that's what shut us down the first time. So where do we stand on that part of the negotiations? Well, there won't be funding for a concrete or steel barrier. Those are two things that the President Trump has been pushing for. And by all indications, Republican negotiators in the House and the Senate have decided that it's not going to happen and they've moved on from that. But the President is going to get, in all likelihood, several billion dollars for more immigration enforcement. Uh, that could mean technology, that could mean personnel on the border, uh, Normandy-style fences. But there won't be a wall. Now, what the Democrats say is that, okay, if we're going to give you 2 to $3 billion for border enforcement, then we're going to want some changes in the way ICE approaches deportations as well. And that is where this whole dispute arose. Right back to the beds. Exactly. So is there a point of no return this week where if we don't have a deal by, say, Wednesday, that then we're going to get a government shutdown um, or some type of continuing resolution on funding because the deadline's min- midnight on Friday. So what's the point of no return for you? I don't think there's necessarily a point of no return, David, because these things, you know, once deals are struck, they can pass the House and the Senate very, very quickly on suspension of the rules if there's enough support for it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't frame it as a, as a point of no return hmm. matter. But if we don't know by Wednesday, if we don't have a sense by Wednesday that they're getting closer to resolving this impasse, then I would be much more worried about a government shutdown. So if we do get to that point, and, and there is another partial government shutdown, have we truly recovered from the 35-day partial shutdown yet? Well, I think some of the furloughed workers are still trying to recover from that. I mean, many of them missed uh, rent payments. Many of them missed mortgage payments. They couldn't get uh, mortgage applications approved and, and couldn't get loans at the time. So it had, a, it had a very real negative impact on people. And if it happens again, that would be a, you know, that would be a double whammy for them. And this would be the same group of people, correct? The same portions of the government would shut down that did last time. That's exactly right. So we would, national parks would be closed, FBI agents, uh, TSA workers, they'd all be working without pay. So we'd find ourselves right back at the beginning. And so whom is winning or losing right now in this conversation? Well, throughout this entire government funding battle over the wall, the Democrats have had the upper hand on public opinion. The country is not sold on the wall, and it is, it is especially not sold on the use of government shutdowns as a tactic for resolving policy disputes. Now, the danger is if Democrats do try to make this demand and they cannot sell it and um, they appear as though they're overreaching, then some of that blame could be spread and Democrats might end up taking more of it than they are now. And that's what the president was trying to do maybe with some tweets earlier today. Precisely. So why can't the president then just push all of this aside and declare a national emergency like he's talked about doing before and just circumvent Congress to get the funds he wants? There is not a lot of support within his party for declaring a national emergency. Conservatives are very worried about the precedent that it would set if you use a national emergency declaration to um, obtain a, a political victory on a controversial issue. What's to stop a future Democratic president from declaring a national emergency and establishing Medicare for all, saying there's a national health emergency or a national climate emergency, and saying, okay, we need to ban fossil fuels now because we're destroying the country? These things are, are, are on the minds of a number of Republicans who worry that you know, it could be a slippery slope. Now, Sahil, you cover a lot of the um, members of Congress that are running for president in 2020. How are they approaching this debate right now? 
They have not commented very heavily. Most of the uh, members of Congress running for president are not intimately involved in the negotiations. Uh, those are generally left up to appropriators and party leaders. But as this escalates, as this develops, it's going to be increasingly difficult for them not to weigh in. So is this more than uh, a delicate landmine for Democrats to kind of tiptoe around right now than it is for the president and, and Republicans? Well, in a sense, the president knows exactly what he wants to say. They have a message, which is that you know the laws need to be enforced, come what may. And for Democrats, it's a trickier balance. They say enforce some laws and go easy on other aspects of it. I mean, prioritization and prosecutorial discretion is a very difficult thing to message because it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Uh, you know, it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. So yes, Democrats do have a challenge when it comes to persuading the public on this, and it's a bit of an esoteric issue. You know, it doesn't the idea of how ICE should use its resources and its detention beds doesn't tend to make the kitchen table. Sahil, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Make sure to follow Sahil on Twitter. He's at Sahil Kapoor. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening in. Please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.